Again, welcome to you on YouTube, and also, of course, if you're listening on podcast, which many people do, you're welcome as well. Now, right throughout, like, everything that happens, there's a push, and there's a pull. Mm. Anybody here ever go to the gym, or do some regular exercise, or went on a diet, anything like that? Anybody here ever do anything like that? Hands up if you have. Janie, some of you are lazy <laughs> Okay, that's about half of us. I think the other half have probably done a bit as well. The thing is, if you go to the gym, let's say, you're being pushed, you want to maybe tone up your muscles, you want to lose a bit of weight, you want to, um, you push yourself. And sometimes the exercise is grueling and it's boring, but it's a push. But then you've got the pull of, you look better, you feel better, you're probably a bit happier in yourself. So the push and the pull is there. When I was in my, when I was 17, I fell in love with my beautiful wife, Denise. And I can remember seeing her and being quite attracted to her. And even at that age, I knew I wasn't cut out for being single. I didn't want to go through life alone. Some people have no problem with that. This is not a condemnation, don't get me wrong, but I knew I wasn't that person. I knew I didn't want to be celibate throughout life. And then I was attracted to Denise, and the, so that was the push, but the pull was, actually I didn't want to live at home with my father, so. <laughs> that was a bit of a push as well. Um, but then the pull was, I was with someone I was so attracted to, I was with someone and I loved their company, enjoyed their company. So it was the push and the pull. If you look at where the Bible has set the land of Israel, and I'm not making any political points here, but if you look at how the current state was formed, Israel, the current state was formed in 1948. If you really want to know about it, looking at the prophecies in the Bible, it's fascinating. But right through, after the Jews were expelled from the land of Israel, Palestine, there were always some there, but some came back from Spain during the Inquisition. They were literally being murdered. They were pushed out. They had to run. The same thing happened in Russia in the late 1800s, a thing called the pogroms, where they burnt down the Jewish villages and slaughtered hundreds and thousands. The same happened in Central Europe. Uh, during World War II, the 30s and 40s with the Nazis and the concentration camps. You either ended up in Auschwitz being gassed to death with your family in an oven, or you escaped and nobody would take the Jews in. Not Ireland, not America, nowhere would take them in. And they tried to go to what was then Palestine. And then you had almost a million Jews who were living in Arab Muslim countries. And in the late 40s, they were expelled from their nations because the Arab Muslims, a lot of them hated the Jews. So the push was to survive. They went to Palestine. It wasn't an easy place to live. But they formed a state there and they literally reclaimed the deserts, they made the deserts blossom. If you don't believe me, look it up. They drained the marshes. They made and carved out a land in a tiny piece of land. It's way smaller than Ireland. And they, they carved that out and they made a land. And the pull after the push was they no, no longer were a despised minority. They could practice their faith freely. There were synagogues everywhere. The Wailing Wall, which is their holiest site from the late 60s, became available to them. And then, of course, as well, 
where they could speak Hebrew in a daily basis, and that was their sacred prayer language. So everything in life has a push, and it has a pull. Can I suggest, you are probably here because there's something of a push going on in your life, spiritually, but I hope there's a pull as well. Maybe you're here because you've pushed yourself, or maybe you're here because your partner or your parent or your son or daughter has nudged you here and it's a bit of a push. And maybe God has pushed you here. And he does that to a lot of us. And sometimes the push is loneliness or it's overcoming an addiction or it's fighting a depression or it's having something that you can give your life to because there's an emptiness in your life. That was a big thing for me. I was watching a point going flat at the age of 19 over in South Main Street in Sir Henry's Rock Bar, Rock Cafe. And I can remember clearly going, is this what life is about? I want to give my life, my energy, my time to something that will last forever. Amen. And not just something that will go with time. I mean, really? I, I've, I've met people and they say, I'm giving my life to this brand. People who are working in companies here in Cork, uh, you know, with famous brands. There's nothing wrong with a brand. But really? You're giving your life to a brand? Is there any more depth in you? Because I can tell you, you can give your life to Jesus and that will last forever. All of the brands, I'm going to pick one out, I don't know, Nike. Is that what they call it? Nike, Nike, Nike. I'll tell you, I'm really into my brands, baby. <laughs> I haven't a clue. Nike. Really? You want to give your life to Nike? Nothing wrong with Nike. If you're watching Mr. CEO from Nike, I'm sure you are. <laughs> We're not against your brand, but there's a lot more to life than that. So I want to look today spiritually at the push at the very birth of the church. Some people think the birth of the Christian church was when Jesus was walking in Palestine. Actually, the birth of the church was on the day of Pentecost. Amen. And really today is the Pentecost push and pull. There was such a push there, but oh my, was there a pull there as well. We want to look at that briefly and apply it to our lives. So, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I have double-clicked it. There we go. I'm going to look at the push. Some people think the push is a negative. You can see my little negative sign there on the screen. Actually, I don't know that it is a negative. It might feel like a negative, but God turns our negatives into positives. He turns our heartache into joy. He gives beauty for what? He gives the oil of joy for? Morning. The garments of praise for? Denise and Michael, no. The rest of you need to learn your Bible. The spirit of joy instead of heaviness. So God turns the negatives into a positive. But let's go with this theme. So the Lord has determined that in the month of April, over 2,000 years ago, what we now know is the Christian church is going to be birthed. It's going to be born. The reason you're here today is that this happened. Blessed day. Thank you, Jesus. The world was changed forever. Look at the book of Acts chapter 2. This is like the history of the Christian church. This is what we're told. If you're listening on podcast, it's verse 9 to 11. At the feast, which was Pentecost in Jerusalem, there were pilgrims from all over. Here we go. 
Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Judea, Pontus, Asia, Phygria, Pamphylia, Egypt, Cyrene, Rome, Crete, and Arabia. Basically, all over the known world, which was the Roman Empire. We don't see Ireland mentioned there, none from Hibernia, probably because the Jews hadn't reached here at that time. But they were from all over the world. Now, when it says that they came from all over, what did that feel like? Because it was into this context, the Christian church that we adhere to, that we love, the teachings of whom we follow, it was into this context the Christian church was born. And we need to know this. Let me quote to begin with um, a Jewish historian called Josephus. He is one of the most respected and reliable historians from that era. He wasn't a Christian, but this is what he tells us. During the major festivals, the population of the holy city of Jerusalem would swell from about 70,000 souls to over 2 million pilgrims. Now the village Denise and I live in, in the summertime, the population is quadrupled because it's by the coast. But this is more than quadrupled. You go from a city, 70,000 to over 2 million. What did that feel like? We know that a very small percentage of the really wealthy Jews could rent a house. Many others, perhaps not many others, a couple of others stayed with people, they lodged. But for 98, 99% of the people, they had no place proper to stay. There was no holiday in, there was no juries in. Nobody could go on their iPhone and just book into an Airbnb. It didn't exist, obviously. What did they do? Thousands slept in a cave. There were caves around Jerusalem, and you could try and get a little corner of rocky ground and sleep on the ground there in a cave with many hundreds of others in there. Not exactly comforts. Or perhaps you had a bit of what we now call canvas, and you try and sleep under that. But most people just slept in the open air, in waste ground, on the streets. There was nowhere else to go. Nobody had ensuite facilities. It was rough. It was a cost. So the push that they went through to obey what the scripture said about going to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast, that was a major push that cost them. And you know, the Christian life is a cost. We pay a cost, but we pay it gladly, gladly. Why? Because what we get back is so worth it. Not only to come in the next life, but in this life as well. Can I get an amen? amen? There were three really main feasts in the Old Testament for the Jews. And this happened at the time of the birth of the Christian church. Feast of Passover at the end of March, usually into April, similar to our Easter. The Feast of Pentecost would be at the end of May or the start of June. And then the Feast of Tabernacles in the autumn at the end of September or October. So you could go to one of the major uh, festivals or feasts. Now when I say feasts, they weren't stuffing their faces. This is a spiritual thing. You could go in the spring or the autumn and the temperature wouldn't be too bad. It's relatively comfortable. The thing is, though, when I read about the Feast of Pentecost, 
being locally born here in Cork. I remember seeing it was at the end of May, start to June, and as a 19-year-old reading the Bible for the first time, I remember thinking, that's a lovely time to go, really. <laughs> Do you know, you have the, the darling buds of May, the trees are blossoming, the weather is a nice bit of a warm breeze, it's lovely. But it's not lovely in Jerusalem in June. It's hot, 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 hot. It's very hot. It's scorchio. It's uncomfortable. And can I promise you this? Nobody, but nobody had air conditioning. Turn on the AC, baby. Just didn't happen. So not only are you sleeping in a cave or on the street or on waste ground, you are hot, you are uncomfortable, and you really can't wash. Where on earth did these people go to the toilet? I don't want to know, with respect, with respect. So you're beginning to get a picture of the cost of the push. The push is not always pleasant. Even if you're going to the gym and you're doing weights or a rowing machine or the treadmill, you're going to sweat, you're going to smell, your face is going to shine with liquid on your face. It's not a very nice experience, but it is worth it. And oh, how much more are the things of God worth Amen. it? When we invest, when we invest, if you don't invest, you can't ever expect to reap. What you sow is what you reap. Sow to the things spiritual. You will reap a reward forever, forever. Look at this map. You can see it there. This is the map of where people came from. Here we have Jerusalem in the center. And you have, they named some of these areas that they came from. What was it like if you came from one of these areas? I'm going to pick out two. I picked out Cappadocia. Some person uh, said to me once ages ago, that's like a cappuccino. I said, no, not really. It's not like a cappuccino. Cappadocia was an ancient province, roughly in central Turkey today. It is where Ankara roughly is now. What was it like to travel from there? Because it wasn't only being there for the Feast of Pentecost, you had to journey there. Google Maps says to go from Cappadocia to Jerusalem, it takes nine days walking and sailing. Maybe you were blessed and you had a donkey, but it's still, do you ever see how fast a donkey goes? It's as fast as walking. However, I just put this up. Michael was sharing with me just in the break there that actually Google Maps doesn't allow time for breaks. This is nine days walking, 24 hours a day. Uh -huh. If you cut it down, you can multiply that by three times. It's nearly a month to walk or to get from Cappadocia to Jerusalem. I don't know if you've seen the street outside us here on McCurtain Street. You can see a lot of it is dug up. The street is going to be beautiful. Michael and I and Dara, we met with the city engineers. They came into the building. They were sharing all the plans. By the end of the year, this street is going to be transformed. It's going to be just a little bit of traffic, not too much two-way, but they are expanding the footpaths, making them way wider. Park benches, trees, pedestrian priority, new lighting, it really will look well. However, over the next six months or so, there's going to be roadworks on and off, which means you may have to walk here an extra three or four minutes. What? <laughs> hello, hello, a whole month walking, hello. 
How about a little bit of commitment? Can I get an amen? Don't be such a jelly baby. I can't go to church. I have to walk five more minutes. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion, the scripture says. Don't allow comfort to be your Lord. Let Jesus Christ be your Lord. You give him the investment, he will more than bless you back. Even when it's hard, he will still bless you back. So these guys from Cappadocia had a long walk. There was a little bit of sailing in the middle, but it was difficult. How about we look at another area where we know someone from there is mentioned in the scripture, and that is Cyrene, modern-day Libya, probably around Tripoli in Libya. And if you want to go there by camel or walking, most people, it's non-stop 23 days travel. You kind of multiply that by three or four to allow time for sleeping and resting and eating and with respect going to the toilet, whatever. You have to allow time for that. What kind of an investment did these people make in their faith? This costs so much financially. Nobody said, I'm going on a pilgrimage, really. It's okay, you've got your six weeks annual leave. No, you don't. Well, your social welfare will be transferred into your... No, it won't. You'd nothing. You had to save up. This was a huge, it was called a holy convocation, is the old name for it. And so they would have gone to Jerusalem. This, this took forever. And that's each way. They had to make the whole journey back. So these people really owned their faith. Can I encourage you and challenge you? Give your life to Jesus. Give him everything. Give him everything. He is worth giving our lives for. Everything Jesus has told us and this movement and army that is absolutely exploding all over the earth, this is something we can give our lives to. God doesn't want jelly babies. He wants soldiers, men and women who will fight the good fight. Can I get a hallelujah from anyone? Down the back, no one said hallelujah. All of you down the back, can I get a hallelujah? No, not you in the front, she said it already. Just all of you half asleep down the back. Hallelujah. Okay, I can hear the girls. Only the men down the back. Can I get a hallelujah from the men down the back? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Testosterone central. <laughs> Praise God. These people were not afraid to give their lives for something wonderful. One such man is a guy called Simon. Luke 23, 26, then the Roman soldiers seized a man called Simon from Cyrene, who was traveling into Jerusalem, making him carry the cross. There's a a wonderful sermon in this. We've touched on it once or twice years ago. Simon of Cyrene was almost certainly a black man, a number of black people who God greatly used in the Bible. And we know from history, the Roman society looked down on these people, but God looks down on no one who will give me amen. God doesn't look down on black people or Irish people or redheads. Well, maybe redheads, but not not anyone else. (laughs) Simon from Cyrene. Now, just imagine, he's after traveling 20, whatever it was, three days. That's probably 60 odd days. And he's coming into Jerusalem after a very long journey, going through the desert, sand in his nose, in his mouth, in his ears, 
exhausted and he comes into Jerusalem and straight away he is press ganged. He is forced by the Roman soldiers who really look down on them to carry the cross of Jesus Christ. It must have started out terrible, but it ended up a blessing. Amen. I tell you something, I wish I was Simon of Cyrene. Because when I will go to meet my maker, I know that I was at the cross. Amen. Powerful. Amen. God turns the curse into a blessing. Amen. He turns what seems like negative into a positive. That's Amen. the God we have. Yeah. He turns and he makes beauty out of what? The oil of joy for? Morning. Michael, you're not a low dancer, okay? <laughs> he gives us the garment of praise for what? Denise, you're not a low dancer. Denise and Michael, be quiet. He gives us the garment of praise for? You see, you know your Bible. I just couldn't be bothered kind of talking out, you know. I get tired in the meeting, like, you know. I was up watching Netflix all night, so, you know. But he gives us the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Did you come in here with a heaviness on you? I know someone who will lift the heaviness off your heart, hallelujah. And his name is Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit lift the heaviness off your heart. Simon of Cyrene came in. It looked like a push, but it ended up being a blessing. So if you have come in here and God pushed you here, or your situation at home or in your life pushed you here, or someone else pushed you with a little nudge here, you know what? Thank God, because the pull is also there. The positive. What do I mean by the pull? I don't mean the pull like that photograph suggests. I mean the pull as in the blessing. Let's look at the Bible. Acts 2, 4 to 8. Everyone in the upper room, there was 120 there, was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. Now in Jerusalem at the feast were many devout Jews from all over the world. And when they heard the sound of tongues or prayer language, they were bewildered as they heard them speak in their own native language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Aren't these people all from Galilee? Galilee, like, who wants to come from Galilee? Aren't they all from Galilee? How is it that each one of us can understand them? So we had multitudes of languages and everyone understood something because when the 120, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, including James, the brother of Jesus, when they broke out of the upper room, so they weren't all huddled in the room, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, not only did they get the gifts of spirit such as tongues but they got courage previous to this they were kind of hiding a bit they were keeping a low profile don't want to draw attention to myself just keep chilled in the background but you see when the holy spirit comes you get fire in your belly Amen. and you can't really stay too quiet because bubbling up are rivers of living water from within your soul and your cup overflows can i get a hallelujah my cup overflows and they weren't going to give the tiny tiny little bit of time they had in this planet that's all you have that's all i have tiny bit of time they weren't going to waste their time. What will Mary over there think of me? And what will my boss say? What will the neighbours think? Forget it. Amen. What does God think? Because we're with him forever. Amen. Mary in the office. 
and Mrs. Murphy, your neighbour, and Charles, no, not Charles, well, I give another name, Michael the Boss. <laughs> they don't matter really, we love them, we respect them, but they're not the ones that matter. He matters. Yes. He matters. And they poured out of that upper room and they went out into what we now call the southern steps of the temple and they began speaking in a language they didn't know. They didn't know what they were saying. But all the people were all these different languages. They understood and they heard them praise God and talk about Jesus in their own language. And they knew it was a miracle because these people had a thick Galilee accent. You know, the Irish accent is known as a brogue. Brogue is the word in Irish for shoe. So it sounds a bit condescending. I don't know where that word came from. But sometimes you can have a thick Irish accent. Well, the Galileans had a thick accent, but they spoke flawlessly with the gift of tongues. You know what's happening at Pentecost? If you go right back to the book of Genesis, because God is a wonderful God of balance, he brought to fulfillment. He cursed the earth when man was trying to build a tower to heaven called Babel, and he dispersed people because nobody could understand anyone else, and so languages were born, and you might go, that's a fairy tale. No, it's not. You look at languages like Basque, not too far away, Oscar from, from Spain, in the northwestern part of Spain, is a place called the Basque Country. Nobody, but nobody, can understand where that language comes from. It, it, it just doesn't connect with anything else. And there are other languages in the world like that. Why? Because languages came from God. And at the Tower of Babel, it was like a curse came, and that nobody could understand anyone. And that's where we get language groups and nations and so on. But here, at the day of Pentecost, we had a unity coming. We had a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit where everyone could now understand the different languages. Hallelujah. Do you get it? Do you see God's plan? Do you see his wonder unfolding? And it's only still beginning. Hallelujah. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. So they were amazed. And then it goes on in verse 43 to 47, so awe, and the real awe, not the makia, awesome, no, real awe, awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together, sharing everything in common, helping any who had need. And day by day they went to the temple, and they broke bread in their homes, eating meals together with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What a great time to be alive. Okay, three or four people think it was. Do you know, do you know what Jesus said? Greater things will you do. Amen. If we think that was great, God has done greater things Amen. even today. And it depends geographically where you are, but we're hungry, we're starving, yes. we're jealous yes. for you. We want to see that here in Cork. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. So, Time is against me. Let me go through what happened. They were filled with the Spirit, not just the gift of tongues. They got courage. They got peace. They got a new direction in their lives. 
They began impacting the city. Last Sunday, Mike and the band were singing Aaron Boyd's song called Greater Things. And the line, greater things have yet to be done in this city. And we want that for Cork. Amen? Because they saw Jerusalem transformed. Signs and wonders at a time when healthcare was rudimentary, to put it mildly. Healthcare was dreadful. People were healed. The lame started walking. The blind started seeing. They had healing that we don't even see through medicine today. We need the healing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So they had signs and wonders. They had community formation. You see, it was never God's will for people just to be isolated on their own. COVID in some ways was a curse because it made people hyper-individualistic. And you know what? A screen will never replace a human being. It will never replace a human being. Interesting, one of my grandkids has no time for screens. Her sisters do, but she's no time for screens. She wants cuddles and kisses and read a storybook with her. The screen, no, doesn't do anything for her. Why? Because there's something in her. And I think, actually, there's something in all of us. Screens are okay for a while but we need the real experience. It's a bit like you're watching a screen and we have a lot of people come in here and they discovered us online and they watch it online. But then this is the feedback we always get. What I saw on the phone or on my laptop or on the telly is nothing compared to what I felt and experienced when I came in the door. Consider it, consider it. They began to form community. They began to look after each other. Someone was in need, they helped each other. They had meals together. They broke bread together. They went to the temple together. They began to find favor with everyone. Now hang on a while. Who were the big guns in Jerusalem? The ones who were such enemies of Jesus. I'll tell you who they were, the Pharisees. And they found favor with that lot. Yeah. You read on the book of Acts, it tells us many Pharisees came to believe in Jesus. You see, God can change the hardest of hearts. He can change the one who was most opposed to your faith. And we also see that thousands were added daily. Daily. And we're not talking about someone with the Irish surname, Daily. Daily was not added to the church. Well, if your name is Daily, we'd love you to be added to the church. But thousands, 3,000 on a Monday, 5,000 on a Tuesday, where were they all going to meet together? You see, God had it all thought through. They met in the open air in the temple, which could house hundreds of thousands, and that's where they met. I love what a a guy called Robert Baer says. He is a best-selling author, and he was also, interestingly, the head of the CIA office in Israel and the Middle East, but he's born again spirit-filled, and he summed it up perfectly for me anyway. Bethlehem, when Jesus was born, was God with us. Calvary, when Jesus died for us, was God for us. And Pentecost is God in us. Brilliant, isn't it? God with us, God for us, and now God in us. That doesn't mean we are God, God forbid, but it means we have something of God in us. It's called the Holy Spirit. And that's what began at Pentecost. Let me conclude with one last scripture verse as the band very discreetly make their way up without me calling to them. You're so tuned in. You see, she's ahead of the game already. Look at what David wrote in Psalm 27 and verse 13. David was a young guy 
and he was being persecuted unfairly. King Saul was both crazy and jealous and he kept trying to kill David and David did nothing wrong and David was on the run and a bit like the guys in Jerusalem at Pentecost, he was sleeping in caves and in holes in the ground. He had a terrible existence. But look what he wrote in the middle of all that. I am confident that I will see the goodness of God when I go to heaven in the land of the living. Amen. Hallelujah. I prophesy to someone here, you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Someone has given up hope and God is saying, no, no, no. You will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We're going to sing a song and then we're going to pray. And the song I've asked for is an old one. It's called Blessed Be Your Name. And I love the lines. You give, he gives and takes away. And sometimes the push is like God takes something away. But he takes it away so we can have even more. Because he gives. Yeah.